0: So, hopefully arriving a little more fully, Uh, things slowing down, (coughs) things steadying, getting a bit more present, grounded. Progressive quality to to Dhamma is likened to a wheel. And it does go places, it does move on. It takes us on. Um, It's also composed of, uh, always seen as a a matrix of factors, eightfold paths and so forth. Factors coming together. hmm? Particularly skillful ones coming together to generate this uh, progressive quality. It's a progressive or progressive uh, release. Mm. And it's important to just remember, acknowledge how many uh, presentations there are that always present lists of factors, and that's for a very good reason because it's not just the simple classical one-shot thing mm. now, in meditation or some aspect of meditation can indeed be a matter of uh, bringing one's attention to one particular object and stabilizing in that and discarding other other uh, sundry factors this is a uh, Uh, having established mindfulness around a particular sensation or thought or theme. or uh, mm, That isn't actually where it starts. Um, The wheel doesn't start there. It starts in uh, somewhere before that uh, or prior to that or uh, pre-form, pre-forming that. So, one list of factors is uh, saddha, virya, sati, samadhi, panya, saddha, faith. Again, the words are rough. Virya, energy, sati, mindfulness, samadhi, unification, firm centeredness, panya, discernment. Although it's not like one is there and everything else stops, but you know, the in, the the understanding is generally the, the beginning is sadha faith. And the way of progress, uh the Buddha likened it to uh, a wise cow in the mountains. <laughs> yeah. So it says the wise cow they've got four legs, yeah and it puts one foot forward, and it makes sure that foot is really steady on that. And then it lifts, it keeps two feet steady, and then it lifts another foot. Make sure that's steady, feels firm there, then it moves the back leg. When that's steady, then it moves the other back leg. Yeah. Okay, being steady, and then it moves the front leg. So it's just kind of thinking, the wise cow in the mountains. Mm. Make sure they've made the first step, and really strong and steady in that. Yeah, and then okay, now we're ready to move, and naturally is the inclination to you know you know it's fair onwards, uh, but gathering these uh, uh, the strengths or the intelligence or the confidence in one's footing necessary to you know have a fruitful progress. The reckless cow is in a hurry. It's definitely going to go a lot faster than the, than the wise cow. <laughs> <laughs> it's really going to go places, and sometimes it's lucky, you know it scampers along, jumps from rock to rock, and then oh crash down a ravine because it <laughs> you know, it slips over or something. This is the the unwise cow. And it looks pretty good at first because it's moving along really fast, then you know, they didn't really make the footing proper, established. Mm. Uh, And there's an understanding uh, that if the first foot is placed properly, there is an understanding that arises that is, oh, there is such a thing as movement. There is such a thing as a shift of balance. Oh, there is such a thing as a change out of this. Oh, what about if I? Oh, yeah. Therefore, because of saddha arises a kind of en- energy, confidence, and energy to. Oh, oh. interesting. Could move. Hmm. As one gets enth- enthusiasm, arises. So energy begins with enthusiasm, and it becomes to specific application to a appropriate mode to appropriate object that's a long phrase hmm? but it is rather like the cow the wise cow you know puts a foot on the earth it's a little bit boggy so you don't want to push too hard You, you soften to get across that boggy patch Here the rocks are a little bit unstable, so you're quite cautious. Here the ground is very firm, you can trot. But you want to know, and so you're developing that sensitivity to, how is the ground, how, you know. know, So that that energy is specifically relevant to what is sustains the balance, sustains the steadiness, sustains the composure, sustains one's confidence doesn't give rise to compulsive or reckless um movement so there's a kind of stillness in that strange enough even in that movement there's a certain stillness which is the what's that how can you be moving and still at the same time the point is if you're not moving and still at the same time, you're in danger because you're caught up. <laughs> you're rushing on. There should be the stillness of attention, of awareness. Oh. That's like that. Mm-hmm. It's like the stillness of harmony. The voices are chanting, the sounds are moving, and within that, oh, that's about right. Mm. So then we know. This you could say is is a certain quality of wisdom there. And then we can know this is worth framing up. This is where to apply one's mindfulness. This is what to bear in mind. Uh-huh. Stay with this mode. Yeah. Stay on the where the ground is level, where it's most firm. Stay with the kind of sensitivity and energy and confidence that makes you, makes things uh, more comfortable, simplifies, takes the weight off, is calming, Ah, frame that up. Then, framing up, stay with that, there will be a natural unification of samadhi, which is where things get very interesting, because it's, it's a shift, in which this the the world of the chitta, the world of mind, the world of uh, dhamma, acquires a certain form to it. It firms up to the point when one is in the realm of goodwill. It doesn't get shaken. Objects that are conducive to ill will do not generate ill will. One re- one remains unshaken in that. Uh, objects which could arise passion do not arouse passion and remain centred and not pulled out into reactivity. Mm. Sundry thoughts and irrelevant topics do not intrude, you know, because one sati has become strong enough to generate a, a, a proper form, like a, a field or like a crucible, like a container. Mm. This is then very uh, precious, because in this there's a tremendous capacity for energy to regenerate, rather than constantly leaking out, uh, or rushing out, or uh, collapsing. Mm. Mm. So so it's accompanied by this sense of unification and calm and steadiness, but it's based upon sustained sati, mindfulness, which is based upon appropriate energy, which is based upon uh, faith. Mm. And wisdom is a constant factor, but it becomes the particular kind of wisdom that is most penetrative, insight arises from samadhi. So when there is that collectedness, there is that centeredness, there is that gathering, there is that undistractedness, then insight, the wisdom can penetrate into really what's in here that is illusory uh, and it's often a view or a notion of permanence or selfhood or some time or something to get to, you yeah. Anyway, we can, you say, no, this is suffering. It seems like a great idea, but actually when I notice, it's actually suffering. (laughs) You know, the wish to be other than I am, that's suffering. It sounds like a good idea, but actually it feels like stress. Why don't you stop doing that? uh, Who says what I am? That itself is stress. Stop doing that. You know, you begin to get into how this naturally normal. Why do we cause self-stress? Because we don't see it as stress. We see it as progress. <laughs> Until you, with enough collectedness, you begin to feel what it's doing, the very idea of it. And then there is progress. <laughs> But it's a different kind of uh, progress, which is like a extinguishing. Uh, it's it's a, a releasing rather than accumulation. It's a extinguishing of bhava tanha, the craving to be something. And then there is progress. Yeah. The craving to be something, when that is extinguished then, one really is something, or is nothing, you know? But it's very, feels complete. Mm-hmm. So, you know, now as I said before, in existence, in experience, even just to contemplate such factors as being, you know, sig- uh, part of our experience is perhaps unusual you know um, for dumber practices it's not but normally we see ourselves existing in a world of sights and sounds and thoughts and uh, themes of thought and uh, time you know tomorrow the future uh, other people um, the past mm, self-definition what I am yeah we see ourselves very much existence is like that it's kind of bouncing around playing rushing to and fro you know we experience a thought and there's some measurement of that then there's a sense of not enjoying that thought or feeling worried by that thought and then reference to oneself as not feeling of as a stupid thought to have so you get these feedback loops around sights and sounds and thoughts and emotions and they weave they weave up something that because it's rapidly weaving seems pretty solid yeah but though it isn't solid it's just it's just compelling and repetitive and fast so you feel like you're in this web and in fact that's pretty much the way it's it is it's like a web weaving a weaving web that is delighted with weaving and sees nothing else to do except keep weaving more mm. so you get this kind of feedback loop thing and it becomes one gets entrained to that because f- certainly most people's lives are exactly running that way you know planning the logistics uh, the bank account the job the house uh, spouse this that you know there's all these things you've got to keep juggling so that becomes the life, is the juggling of sundry factors, new things, and bear this in mind, remember that, and don't forget that. So it becomes this complex weave of that, and you know, and carrying that, uh, one gets a sense of, if you're carrying it okay, then you feel you're sort of pretty good getting by, I'm reasonably successful, haven't had a breakdown yet. You know, Making ends meet, you know, it's okay. And well done, you know, yes, that's good if you can make it. But really, (laughs) it's suffering. (laughs) I mean, you might not be lamenting over it, but it's stressful keeping it all going, isn't it? And yet very much one feels, well, that is the real world. And not to say that it's not, its it's existence is there, definitely. But like how much energy goes into just keeping it all going? And does it ever achieve finality, stasis? Or is that just naive to imagine it could, yeah? You know? you know, but if it doesn't arrive, how can it be called progress? If it doesn't complete, how can it be called success? It's just management, actually. Mm. So anyway, this is the matrix of experience, of existence. Weaving factors, fields. just to acknowledge, just to recognize that something is uh, stressful and unsatisfactory doesn't have to mean one is averse to it. Or, you know, it is that, isn't it? And this is, say, the supportive condition for the arising of faith is suffering. That's a very interesting Point in the Buddha's presentation. Mm. Well, a supportive condition. It's just to see. This is well, dukkha means it's a broken wheel. It's a wheel that doesn't really go anywhere further than just turn around in itself. It's it's a wheel that makes a lot of spin, but doesn't really progress in existential terms. That is, I have not arrived at a place where I'm beyond aging, sickness, death, sorrow, lamentation, grief, and despair. Hmm. And perhaps, well, perhaps there isn't one. But then the other aspect of arising of faith is there arises, a Tathagata arises in the world who says, yes, there is something other than that. The little quality called aspiration, because when somebody says how that is, and you say, "Oh, that's right," it is like that. How did he know? (laughs) You know, where was the mind that sees that, and also that says, "There's something else. There's an alternative." Oh, that's. Triggers. Somebody who knows all that has been in all that, yeah, and says, Yeah, but there's an alternative for human beings. Hmm. And you are either the interesting thing is either you get it or you don't. And it's surprising uh, where spark of getting it or at least saying that sounds very interesting that sounds something resonates with that so the quality of of sadha begins with recognizing the stressfulness and the non-completion of so much of what one seems to be involved with indeed is and uh, there's a, oh my goodness. And then the possibility for release from that. Aspiration and second cultivation or the second process of sadhā is resonance. Oh, I get it. I resonate with that. It excites me, it moves me. What's it moving? It's moving my heart with jitta. as that. It's not just all sight, sounds, thoughts, right? There's something else, which when we, oh yeah, of course. And so, you know, you're finding that little, how big piece of ground does a cow's hoof need to land on? You don't need you know hundred and fifty acres. <laughs> just need enough to get one foot down. <laughs> the solid. And that is there. That resonance is there. I can't ignore that resonance. and just stay with that till it becomes over to, over practice, over following that up it, it matures into confidence. Mm. having placed that foot there, having listened to what's coming from that place, it's stronger. Because when that heart arises, this in a way is the arising of Buddha, his citta. Buddha as awake, it's waking up. And uh, you know, many times when you, when you look at the suttas, it starts out with these kind of rather long passages of, you know, the, somebody saying, oh, the Tatagra has arisen in the world. You think, yeah, 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 okay. You know, what's he following Go with that through again? Well, because <laughs> it is like coming back to the first step and stabilizing that. We probably need to come back to that clearly, you know. And so many of these suttas, that's what they're doing coming back to that again and again, till that foot keeps hitting that ground and touches it, gets the meaning of it. Tathagata is not a person. Tathagata, which is how the Buddha referred to himself, Tathagata means going thus or come thus. Presence, suchness, truth, ground. Presence, citta. What do you want to call it? You know? Wake up. It says, wake up. Wake up. Don't get lost in this stuff. It's passing. It's changing. It's shifting. It's not objects. It's just events. You don't have to be a billiard ball. Ricocheting around in that. And so we come back to that. And it's the encouragement to come back to that time and time again. In fact, one of the standard practices the Buddha that d- recollected is just that: recollecting the Buddha, the Buddha, the Dhamma, Sangha, triple gem. Recollecting means you think it, you bring those images to mind till there's a of resonance. Yeah. Mm. That which is Dhamma, which is immediate, direct, not about time, not about future past here. uh, Encouraging, inviting you. Come and look at this, explore, what is here? Mm. Experienced in yourself. Or experienced in your subjectivity might be more, better way of putting it. In your heart, in your most intimate awareness. Mm. So you know, it's not just the meaning. It's also where does it go to? What's it? Not just the words. But what are they? Where are they travelling to? Where's the point? Where's the here, where's the subject, where's the knower, what is present? Hmm? So then, with this understanding, or this kindling, you you start to shape up the field and certainly, you know, this is where the uh, Buddha starts with such qualities as generosity, giving, uh, sila, virtue, integrity, and renunciation. Now, you, know, you know, many things can be said with that, but what does this, where does generosity come from? Why bother? what's it what do you mean to me who cares i getting mine no it's um uh, it comes somewhere else doesn't it mm. chitta in a way it, there's no explanation you can say it feels good it makes me happy it produces harmony yeah of course it does but where does that faith in that arise where does that interest in that arise that spontaneous could say it's a loving quality it's a mutual quality it's a sense of harmony it's a sense of you know how we are how we need to be with others in a way we feel comfortable safe rich uh, flowing and jana is a very uh beautiful way to to express that mm. in a way it's a similar entering the same place is sila it's entering the field of mutuality, uh, you know, I, which means to others as to myself. Uh, so instead of being in that self-orientation or entering to a dharma orientation, and it's a different matrix, because instead of these programs of um, accumulation, of uh, aversion of trying to hold hold against things, trying to grab things or resist things. It's a different relationship. It's a sense of opening to mutuality. And there isn't a particular object there. But we're changing the relationship to objects, to phenomena, to this sundry uh, profusion of things that can touch the mind and heart, the potentials that can touch the mind and heart, potentials for manipulation, potentials for yeah, brutalizing or dismissing or corrupting or seducing or bullying or wheedling or you know and you kind of Seela, you, you, you kind of sense the, the horror of all that and the beauty of Scylla it's likened to a flower fragrant mm. so you know when we rehearse these and we recollect these we really like that cow just putting one foot down until it gets really firm and you feel this isn't just uh, an idea, notions, something they tell you you've got to do, or be, or should be, or whatever no, no, this is much more intrinsic than that Mm. much more intrinsic and it's not even coming from a personal opinion it's coming from somewhere more deeply embedded in chitta, heart. So when we contemplate, see, it's not a matter of you know numbering one's precepts, but of the sense of it, yeah. the sensitivity, and yet a firmness to and a sharpness to just really sniff out those tendencies. And uh-uh, just wait on that one, you know. Uh, and through that one, if one cultivates this, there's a sort of fra mindfulness there, and enthusiasm, and even a kind of quality of samadhi. You develop a form whereby you get, you can pretty much sense, you know, when the little creepy uh, non-sealer bits start, you know, trying to shift in. You think. No, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, not That's not my, not my area. Mm. And it's uh, the more one cultivates this, we recognises a certain seela is really dana also, because with seela we give a gift of fearlessness to others. No one need fear me. Well, they will fear me. They don't need to. <laughs> In other words, naturally, yeah. But uh, one knows, uh, the gift, no creature need run away from me. Uh, No one need, you know, people can put their possessions down, they don't need to worry about it. Um, One is giving the gift of relaxation and freedom to others. Even at at wild animals, Mm. Yeah. You notice uh, living in a monastery after a few years, the animals start to come closer and don't run away. You think, how is that possible? That's yeah. because they, they sense the sealer and they never took a single precept or listened to a sermon and yet they sense the effect of it. And this is a place of, uh, where there's no need to fear giving that gift. And uh, it's important to acknowledge this. Particularly, you know, the the doer, that program in the mind doesn't realize what you're doing already without feeling you're doing it. (laughs) So that's the place, I would suggest, where your energy can ripen to the place when you acknowledge, you know, just what you're doing by maintaining a certain boundary and a certain presence and a certain resilience and a certain, you know, refusal to go into aversion and manipulation and you know, even if those forces come at you, even if the mind whinges and whines, yeah, that's that, just patience, compassion, gentleness towards that thing. Mm. So, you know, this is then our first aspect of meaningful energy as an application is just to continually and gently but resist the inclination to doubt, to worry, to cause pain for oneself. And so you can sense, you know, actually staying with the appropriate amount of energy, this is the mark. It's not fantastic, it's not progress, but it's steady. I can I can be with this is about what I can do right now. You stay with that, that's gonna grow. It's like you plant the seed, It's not going to come out as a massive tree, but the little green thing comes up, and you protect it, and you keep the rabbits off it, and it's going to grow. It's very much, that's the progressive nature of Dhamma. So it's a progressiveness that's generated not through the self-program, but through the transpersonal factors of the Dhamma. These transpersonal factors mean they're both intimately felt and yet they're not coming from my personhood they're not coming from my social conditioning not coming from my opinions and views coming somewhere more deeply innate and in fact shared you know with many beings of different cultures and times and situations can also strike that note in into that theme and that's wonderful, it's the contemplate. Mm. So the you know mysterious aspects of the teaching then became sense why the Buddha says, well, on the opposite today, when you take the precepts, just bear in mind that the Arahants did this. You know, well, so what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's t- No, no, it's not quite, <laughs> you know. It's a sense that you're entering the field of the Aryans, the noble ones. Yeah. And look at that as your measurement, rather than, you know, all the other things you could identify with. Look at that sense of sharing in that and confidence. They, they, they experience these hindrances. They experience these difficulties. They experience the torrent of passions and aversion and confusion and pain and despair. And they also found ground in this. I too can do this. Mm. This is where the uh, quality of confidence arises. So this is, these are aspects one should keep returning to. There have been a hurry. Mm. And uh, you know, the, the Dhamma is called a matrix. It's many conditioning factors. Mm-hmm. And we should never forget that many of these conditioning factors are not so much sights and sounds, but the, actually the subtler workings of one's own mind, or one's own mind, the confidence or the lack of it, um, the required energy or the lack of it, uh, the sincerity or the lack of it, you know, the resolve or the lack of it, not so much the phenomenon as the subtler meta phenomenon, that which does the experiencing is actually not, is part of what we contemplate, and a very significant part. So much so that when these transcendent factors are attuned to, are grounded in, are made much of, are absorbed in, uh, we begin to get a sense of chitta, heart awareness, presence, and, you have, and it naturally supports confidence because the, it speaks for itself. Uh, this isn't going. This isn't about time and place and aging and death and birth and people and men and women and stuff like that. This is something more deeply founded, more deeply rooted, more properly established than that. And yeah. So this is what will will be our guide. Entering this, remembering this, awakening this. Say, okay, see what arises. What's, uh, what's important now? What uh, helps that grounding to be more stable? Mm. Feeling it in the body, presence of body gives a certain texture because we can walk in this, we can stand in this, we can sit in this, we can recline in this. So that starts to build up. Mm. And so you'll find that, uh, and then there's this process of how does it get if your movement towards uh, samadhi means an accurate or appropriate frame of reference has to be established an appropriate theme of sati. And that can change. It can refine. It may start with just body, present, posture, four postures, simple presence of body, contemplating what it is really that makes up the body as a series of events that arise. Here is the sense of the warmth or the pressures or the shifting or the energies or the changes. Seems to be many things, but as those things... Those qualities are held carefully, they come into balance, and rather like the voices in the room, oh, there's a harmony. The elements are in harmony. We're no longer too firm, or too soft, or too aroused, or too stagnant, or too spaced out, or too tight. They've come into harmony. They come into harmony through the quality of present Jitta, noticing this is stress. Relax that. Mm. Put that aside mm. and breathing in and out, which is the most uh, perhaps the most crucial um, core quality. So that can continually keep moderating our, our experience of body as it comes into line. But this is how the, these factors can come in arising. And you're looking out for those. But, you know, again, you're waiting. Is that foot established? Where's the next piece? Where also looks like it will be steady a movement comes from assurance, interest, enthusiasm, specific focus, which particular piece can I get a, uh, a reading off, a handle on, Mm. which piece will my mind pick up, feel steadied in, feel stabilized in, can I dwell in that, and discard other possibilities, Mm. so that there's a unification. These, then one becomes wise both in terms of understanding the nature of the process, yeah, there is a progressive quality, there's an understanding, getting a sense of the nature of the process, a sense of confidence in the trusting the process. Stay with this, become steady. You will feel enthusiasm, you will feel, and let that carry you with inquiry gently to the next, you know, without losing your foot on the, on the, on the saddha, so it's not the cow doesn't jump. It's always got three legs on the ground, (laughs) Mm. okay? Mm. and Sometimes it's just really a case of spending time feeling safe, you know, where one is without feeling, just letting yourself relax Mm. into presence. So one of whys, and there's a certain, wisdom is very, it's not kind of philosophical, it's very pragmatic. Just saying, no, this isn't happening. No, no, that's too much. No, that isn't there yet. It's just wisdom around what is available and what isn't. <laughs> and then what's skillful and what isn't. Uh, and then what causes suffering whats not what isn't, what doesn't, it's just that savvy, you know, <laughs> um, pragmatic savvy, much more than kind of philosophical idealism, but just what works. These are the Indriyas, Indriya means uh, a leader, it's, uh, the word is coined from um, the king of the gods, Indra, who is the leader of the gods, in other words, he, this is the real boss, five of them. The leaders of awakening, and it said, when these are ripened and properly gathered together, these five indriya merge in the deathless. They are therefore to be borne in mind and made much of.